Hey guys, I have another message that God has placed in my heart, and I just want to teach you guys a little bit on what he's been teaching me. And I want to say that the title of this message is going to be that Jesus became cursed on a tree, so you and I could become a tree that is blessed. And I want you to just think about that for a moment. I'll say it again. Jesus became cursed on a tree. So you and I could become a tree that is blessed. And I'm going to go into Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 through 14. And I'll show you what I mean by Jesus became cursed on a tree. It says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 through 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we see here that Jesus became a curse because it says, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, and we know that Jesus died on the cross which was representation of a tree so that he became a curse so that you and I could become a tree that is blessed and I'm going to touch more on information about what it means for us to be a tree that is blessed in Jesus I want to go into Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 21 uh, verses 22 through 23 And this is more information, a scripture about talking about how Jesus or if someone is on a tree, then they are cursed. So it says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So it's teaching us here. That one who commits sin is deserving of death. And since he's deserving of death, he is supposed to be put to death and you hang him on a tree. And that's how he gets his death. What's interesting is Jesus actually knew no sin, never sinned, but yet still chose to be hung on a tree, even though he was not deserving of death. Because even Pontius Pilate even spoke to the Pharisees and spoke to all the Jews. And he said to the people, I don't see that this man is deserving of death. Basically, he was saying, why are you saying crucify him? Because I don't see a fault. I don't see anything wrong with him. He has not sinned against you guys. What sin does he have against you that you want to crucify him? And they all they yelled more, crucify him, crucify him. So once again, like I said, we see that Jesus became cursed on a tree. So you and I could become a tree that is blessed. Now, when Jesus died on the cross... This was representation of a seed actually dying. And I want to go into more about this, talking about the seed, because this is going to be important, because this is going to also continue to teach you about the tree. Adam was actually the first seed in the beginning. And we know that in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they fell short of the glory of God, and they sinned against God because they fell into temptation from the enemy. Now we see that Adam was the first seed of all mankind because Adam was created first in the image of God and then Eve was taken, I'm sorry, then um, Adam, uh, you know, Eve was made from Adam. And we see in the garden that Eve was deceived and then she also gave to her husband Adam. 
So what that meant was now that Adam is actually the seed of all seeds, meaning all mankind. And that seed actually became sin. And then what sin did, it brought in death. So therefore, the enemy gained dominion back over the seed of Adam, which would have been you and I. Which now, instead, since Jesus died on the cross, I told you that it was the representation of a seed dying. And that since Adam was the first seed, Jesus was actually the second seed. But we see that it says that Adam was the first Adam and Jesus was actually the last Adam. And I'm going to show you where this is found and I'm going to give you some scripture to, uh, of course, back it up to teach you guys the importance of why uh, this is true. If you turn with me into John, the book of John, chapter 12, verse 23 through 25. It says, but Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I'm going to show you more um, in 1 Corinthians because we see that Jesus says in John that the hour has come the Son of Man should be glorified. So he's talking about his death and his resurrection. He's talking to his disciples saying the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And he is the Son of Man. Jesus is. And he's saying, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, which he's talking about himself. That's why I said when Jesus died on the cross, it was representation of a seed dying, just like this grain of wheat. But it says that if it doesn't die, then it will always remain alone. What that meant was, is that Jesus was going to be the only one that was going to be entering back into his kingdom. But since Jesus died on the cross, it actually multiplied. And I'm going to teach you guys how this works. It's actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36. It says, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. So the seed that is sown, unless it dies first, cannot be multiplied. Just like it said in John chapter 12. It talked about the fact that the seed, the kernel, cannot multiply unless it dies. So what Jesus was doing is he was actually multiplying himself because he knew that, if a, that him being the seed, which he's the spiritual seed, he had to die, which made him multiply, which creates you and I, the believers, through the Spirit. It's just amazing what God has done. And I'm going to go more into depth here. It's actually in 1 Corinthians, uh, the same chapter, chapter 15, verse 45 through 47. And we see that it teaches us, it says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-given spirit. And what that means is the first man, Adam, became a living being, which he was the first Adam, the one that we talked about that was in the garden and actually fell short and sinned. Therefore, all sin was now on that first Adam, which is what you and I would have been if Jesus never died. Because Jesus became the last Adam. And the last Adam, he died on the cross, which was Jesus. And he, and he was a seed, and he could not be multiplied until he died. Just like we learned the principle that a seed, unless it dies, cannot be multiplied. But it says the last Adam became a life-given spirit, which is just amazing because we know that we are now Christians born again, not of the first Adam, but of the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ, 
that we have now become a living, given spirit as well because Jesus multiplied himself through the Holy Spirit inside of you and I. Now I'm going to show you this. When Jesus died, he was multiplied through us, through being born again of his spirit in us. So now I want you to get this picture that you being a seed created by the seed of Jesus who died. Okay? So like I said, the seed is Jesus. When he dies, it multiplies, which means it spreads. That means through the spirit, you and I become a spirit seed. Okay? And this is where I'm going to get to teach you about the importance of where you and I get to become a tree that is blessed because Jesus became a curse on a tree so that you and I could become a tree that is blessed in him through the Holy Spirit. Okay? It says that now the kingdom of God is in you through you becoming this seed through Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God became in you because the kingdom of God is spirit. And we notice that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, that the last Adam, which was Jesus, became a life-given spirit. Okay? So we see this in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, this is Jesus speaking, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, meaning you don't observe it, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And so what that means is the kingdom of God is in you through you becoming the seed through Jesus Christ, because the seed is Christ and the seed is spirit and the kingdom of God is spirit. So we see that Jesus is the seed that brought the kingdom of God down to you and I because the kingdom of God was never in our reach until Jesus came. And I can show you where this is found, where God showed me. And it's in Matthew chapter 4, verses 17. I want to teach you something. The kingdom of God was never in our reach until Jesus came because Jesus was that kingdom. And I'll show you what it says. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he meant by that is, God showed me, was that is at hand, meaning now that it's reachable, but only through Jesus. Because the kingdom of God was never reachable for the believer until Jesus came. Which when he said that it's at hand, which means that when something's in the hand, means that now it's reachable for you and I to grab. But only through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can we have this kingdom. Because we notice, like it says, that the kingdom of God, once again, like we saw in Luke chapter 17, is indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And it's not around you with observation, nor will people say it's there or it's here. But God's, God says through his word, through Jesus at the time, that the kingdom of God is actually within you. So what that meant was, is that Jesus was teaching them that the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning the kingdom of God is in him, and he has brought it down to the world so that you and I could now be filled with this same kingdom of God that which he carries, Okay. Now, I want to show you something. The kingdom of God is compared to a tree, actually by Jesus, by the planting of a mustard seed 
first. And I'm going to show you where this is found. This is just another thing that God has taught me about the importance of the kingdom of God because we understand that the kingdom of God was in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And then when he died, he multiplied that kingdom into you and I through the same spirit. I really pray that you guys are getting this into your heart and into your spirit and it's making sense and it should be shifting some things around. I praise God for that because he's the one that has given me this word and I just want to bring him glory and honor through the message that he's given to me so that I can share with you guys, the believers, to encourage you about where the kingdom of God is found and how it's found in you through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So it gives you an idea of how much more the cross did for you and I. You and I um, are that seed right? That's planted by Jesus. We're going to go into Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 32. It says, another parable he put forth to them saying, and this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it grow, when it, when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now, I want you to see this because it says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Once again, like I said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Who's that man? That man is Jesus. He sowed it into his own field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. So the least of the seeds, just like it says in the scripture, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So the least of all the seeds, when it is full grown, even though it's the smallest seed, but when it's full grown, It's actually the greatest than all the other herbs, and it becomes a tree, which is greater than all the other trees, which is produced by other seeds that are bigger than the small seed. So I like how God does that because that's how his kingdom operates. So you and I are that seed planted by Jesus, like I said, in the field that he sows, which he sowed by when he died. For when he died, he sowed his seed, which was himself. When he was buried, it died so that it multiplied so that you and I could now, so that he could now be multiplied through you and I through the spirit of that seed. I know this is a lot to take in, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you understand these things of the spirit. So we see that not now eventually we begin to grow like any seed grows because Jesus planted us in his field. But the seed must die first, then it begins to form, but only through the need of water, right? So any seed that's planted into the ground, we know needs water so that it can grow. Since we were planted by Jesus, we are not a natural seed. So I want you to get this. The seed that we were planted, I meant the person we were planted by is Jesus, who is spirit. Just like it says that the second Adam is a life-given spirit. So Jesus planted us, which means that we are not a natural seed, meaning we are not just a normal first Adam seed, but we are a spiritual seed, which makes us a second Adam seed, which is Jesus, who is that life-given spirit. Therefore, what was planted in the spirit needs the foods and water of the spirit, not earthly food or earthly water. Get that. Because remember, you were planted not by an earthly spirit, but you were planted by Jesus, who is a life-given spirit, which makes you a spirit seed. And a spirit seed needs not things of natural, which means not just regular water or natural food. It needs spiritual food, and it needs spiritual water. And the water of the spirit, uh, to water the spirit seed so it can grow. 
The water of the Spirit comes in two ways, and I'm going to teach you guys how that comes, but they both are Spirit. You have to get this. Because there's two ways that the Spirit can come in two ways so that you can be watered, which you are that Spirit seed that needs Spirit water onto you so you can grow. Just like any other seed needs regular water, but it's going to produce, you know, um, basic things of the earth, meaning like an apple tree or an orange tree, things like that. Those are basic things, which represents the first Adam, which was of an earthly being. But instead, you and I were now born again through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection so that you and I could become a spirit seed. And in order for the spirit seed to grow, you need spirit nutrients. You need spirit food. You need spirit water for it to grow. And I'm going to show you this, that it comes in two ways. And the first way is actually reading the word of God. And I'm going to show you where it's found. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 through 27, it teaches us here that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, who is he? It's talking about Christ, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Who is her? It's talking about you and I, the body, the believer. But how does the cleansing and sanctification come? But only through the washing of water by the word. And verse 27 says that he might present her, you and I, to himself, to Christ, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So once again, you are this tree. I'm sorry, you're this seed that's going to grow into the tree. Because that's how Christ designed you. You were a seed planted by Christ into his field. And now you need his spirit in order to grow into this tree. And the interesting thing is that you are washed in the water, which I talked about the water, but not just any water. This is not natural water. This is spiritual water by the word of God. Okay? That's why it's important for us to get into the word because the word of God is that spirit water that you need in order for your seed to grow so that you can become that tree that Jesus talked about in uh, Matthew where he talked about the seed, the mustard seed, becoming a tree. Okay? Now, I want to go into Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23. And this is also part of the word. Reading the word it actually says in verse 23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So what this is saying is the word of God actually transforms your mind and it allows you to think as Christ thinks. Because remember, the seed that you were planted by is Christ. And the seed that you were planted by, which is Christ, you must also live as Christ. Since that seed was planted by Christ, you have to think like Christ. Now, how do you think like Christ and live like Christ? Now, the word teaches you only through reading the word of God, which is that water, that you will be washed and renewed in your spirit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind through the reading of the word of God, which what that means is you'll be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which means you will no longer have an earthly mindset, meaning you will not have a earthly being first Adam mindset, but you will have a second Adam life-given spirit mindset. That's good stuff, guys. I really pray this is getting into your spirit, like I said. The second way that the water of the spirit comes to you into the seed is actually by praying in the spirit. And I'll teach you this. 
that the Spirit is actually representation of water, and Jesus teaches us this in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But watch. But verse 39 says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Meaning we saw that Jesus was not yet glorified, meaning that yet he did not die and he was not buried and did not rise again yet. So therefore the Holy Spirit was not given to us because the seed who he was did not die yet, so it was not multiplied. But now since Christ died on the cross for us, he died so that that seed, his seed, could be multiplied through us by the Holy Spirit, which is now given to us because Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God and he is glorified. Okay? And I want to teach you guys, like I said, it says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What he's talking about here, he's just talking about the Spirit. And he's talking about not a natural water once again. He's talking about a spiritual water, okay? He's saying, come to me and drink. So Jesus is that source of water that you and I need through the word and also through prayer, okay? Because praying in the spirit actually means praying in the actual Holy Spirit, which is the water of Christ. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying the water of the spirit onto your spirit seed so that you can grow in Christ, it's the same thing as when you read the word of God, you're getting the word of God, which is spirit, onto your spirit seed so you can grow in Christ and your mind can be transformed and renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's really powerful. It's so simple, actually. I'm going to actually show you guys another thing real quick here that the example of water being spirit, and it's important for us to pray in the spirit because the spirit is the water. So when you pray, you're getting the spiritual water on your seed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it actually teaches us, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So those that are born again of the Spirit through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ's multiplication of his seed, those that are born again of the second Adam, which is Christ, who is the life-given Spirit, is by that one Spirit. Christ is that one Spirit that is talking about in verse 13, that you and I, all born again of Christ, because we believed in Christ, and his Spirit came into us when we gave our lives to him, and we invited him into our hearts, and we confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You and I were all baptized into one body, which is Christ, okay? Whether we were Jew or Greek, slave or free. So he's saying everybody that believes in Christ is in one spirit. We were all baptized into one body through Jesus Christ, okay? Just get that. And it says that have all been made. So everyone that is born again of the spirit of Christ that was multiplied when he died, which is you and I, the believer, we have all been made to drink into one spirit and that spirit is Christ and that's why I said when you read the word the word of God is God which is Christ so when you get the word of God in you you're getting the spirit into your spirit man which is that seed which Christ planted 
okay? And then also when you pray in the Spirit, you are also praying the rivers, the waters of the Spirit onto your spirit seed so that you can grow, okay? And I, ta- I teach you guys these things because two ways that you can grow in the Spirit, there's only two ways, and it's very important because Jesus was teaching us that there's only two ways you can grow because he made it this way on purpose so that you and I could not continue to grow in the fleshly nature. You and I could only grow in the Spirit by the Spirit that, born, that birthed us, and the only thing that can keep us continually to grow in the Spirit is the water of the Word of God and by the water of praying in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to teach you why it's important that I taught you about the water. I want to talk about the purpose of a tree. Because remember, you're this seed that was planted, and now you're this seed, and the purpose of a seed is for it to become something. And the purpose of the seed for it to become something, as we read in Matthew, is for you to become this tree. And a tree is actually designed to produce something on it. And I want to teach you that each tree is unique by one quality only. Each tree has a unique quality, one quality only, on why each tree is different. They all look alike in the end when they're full grown. However, what makes them different and unique in their own way? What does make them different and unique in their own way? I'm going to teach you. I can tell you it's the beginning, meaning what kind of seed was planted first. Because whatever type of seed that was planted, it's going to produce that seed's design. Hear me. Like I said, we were planted by a spirit seed, not a natural seed. So you and I are not an apple seed. You and I are not an orange seed. You and I are not a first atom of an earthly being seed. You and I are a second atom of a life-given spirit, Jesus seed, planted by Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now the design of Christ planting us through the Holy Spirit is this, and I'm going to teach you. The whole purpose of a seed being planted in the first place is to produce Each seed has its purpose, meaning an apple seed will produce apples. An orange seed will produce oranges. But a life-given spirit seed is actually designed to produce the fruits of the spirit. Okay? And I teach you this because you and I, as spirit seeds, were planted for one purpose only. And that purpose is to produce the fruits of the spirit unto God through Jesus Christ. And I want to teach you guys something. You and I were designed to produce fruits of the Spirit because through the fruits of the Spirit, we bring glory and honor to Christ and also to the one who sent him, which is the Father. And I'm going to wrap it up here because I'm, I'm going to teach you guys something else more. But I'm going to go into it more uh, with another session, another teaching that God's given to me. It's actually this way, through producing the fruits of the Spirit unto God through Jesus Christ, you and I can inherit eternal life. And I want to teach you something, though. However, eternal life is not actually going to heaven. But I'm going to have another teaching on that subject to come soon. So I really pray, guys, that this teaching about Christ becoming cursed on a tree so you and I could become a tree that is blessed is really ministering to you guys. And I really want to say this importantly that just because the Lord's leading me, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 10, it talks about the tree. And I'm going to teach you guys that thus says the Lord, cursed is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Meaning, cursed is the man who is the first Adam, because that's an earthly being, whose heart departs from the Lord. 
for he shall be like a shrub, guys, a shrub in the desert. That's not a tree. A shrub is a small bush, okay? It doesn't produce very much, and it's not like the tree that Jesus talked about in Matthew. And shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Guys, the purpose of the tree, once again, is to yield fruit, but not just any fruit, not an earthly fruit, but fruits of the Spirit, okay? And it says in verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Remember we talked about the Word of God being renewed in the spirit of your mind? The Lord is the one that searches the heart and tests the mind, okay? Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So the fruits of the spirit that you produce, okay, guys, according to the ways, it says, according to the fruit of his doing, that God will give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing, meaning the fruits of the spirit that you produce, the more fruits of the spirit that you produce, God will give you according to to your ways of the fruits that you produce. And I leave you guys there to think about that one and just to meditate on that understanding. I really encourage you guys. I pray that this has encouraged you guys in your spirit, man, and it has given you more understanding in the word of what Jesus has done and how he's designed you and I to be a tree to produce fruits of the spirit for him and his father who is in heaven. I love you guys. God bless you. And continue to follow the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Continue to read the Word and continue to pray in the Spirit, guys. At least an hour a day to get that water into your seed so that you can grow and you can begin to start producing these fruits of the Spirit. Love you guys. Be encouraged in Jesus' name.